There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. of weeks ago my sister Sherry said to me I reckon my friend Lynn would be a great nitty gritty she said she's in a wheelchair and she's really prepared to tell you the incredible story of how she ended up there well I've heard the story now and quite simply I dare you to hear it and not feel like a complete wimp by the time it's over the thing about Lynn though is that she's obviously been a total badass since the day she was born This is the Nitty Gritty Committee, stories about the guts and the glory of life, and it doesn't get much gutsier than this one. I know I've said that before, but this one is profound. I think you are genuinely going to find this life-changing. So let's start off by hearing a bit about Lynn's life before she lost the use of her legs. Uh, It was a very busy life. So I was a high school teacher. Um, At the time of injury, I was the timetabler daily organiser. About three years prior, I was a member of St John Ambulance Australia and had been since I was a child and got up to the point of um, I was the head of cadets for Australia and one one morning, it was about three in the morning, I woke up, I said, I can't do this anymore and I rang up that afternoon and said, sorry, I'm resigning at the end of a three-year term. Wow. This was at the school? or this No, was this, was, this was the St John, so that was okay. a vol- volunteer role. Yeah. Um, but that plus a full teaching, you know, teaching load plus timetabler mm-hmm. and the daily org was the, the hard part. So that's where people would ring up and say, I'm not going to be in tomorrow, and then I would have to find the people to replace them. Yeah. So that was either employ people for the day or other staff members would have to take that class. I was married. Had been married for over 20 years, really happily, great guy, and widowed in the accident. That's probably the hardest bit. Yeah, so the the chair and what goes with the chair, pain in the neck, um, takes a lot of time. I actually think it's a bit like getting old. Everything takes longer than it used to. Mm -hmm. You ache a lot more than you used to. People don't let you do things anymore. Mm -hmm. People don't let me open the door for them you know, what I would have considered good manners, I'm not allowed to do. I have to be the person receiving it, receiving it now. And that's how I, I see older people. That That's how I view older people and how we treat them. 
Um, so can you talk about the accident? Is it like yeah. triggering and painful to talk about? No, no. And again, that surprises me yeah. a great deal. So um, I was asleep at the time. I'm assuming I woke up. So when the the police here, um, their road traffic guys went over to assess the scene and unlike here where the roads would be closed off and the car impounded and a whole pile of things happened, the bus that I was in was back with its owners that night. Yeah. So where did this happen? Uh, in Egypt. So we're on a on a day trip. Okay. And we'd gone from Cairo to El Alamein. So you're on holiday, not you're mm-hmm. living there? No, no, on holiday. So this is school holidays. My husband was made aware of it through the police association and the, the letter, they put a newsletter out. And so it had been on our minds for some time. My husband had the belief that we should travel Australia first. We should know Australia. He didn't want to go overseas. Yeah. So we had travelled Australia. We'd done that a couple of times. Um, and so this was our first international trip. I believe I was, I was told later that uh, we were discussing it and uh, he told one of my relatives that the look in my eye was, we're going. So I, I don't recall that and I think I'd prefer to f- forget. Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, we went. We didn't know anybody else on the trip. Um, so anyway, so we'd gone from El Alamein to Alexandria. We're on our way back from Alexandria. We're about 30 k's from our destination. And the belief is that they we'd gone around a slight bend. The guy had uh, had a sleep, fa- yeah, fell asleep. The mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Woke up um, and was starting to fishtail and he overcorrected and he fishtailed the other way and then overcorrected and overcorrected. And my understanding is that we swung all the way around. Uh, we hit a light pole, which in the desert um, in Cairo means uh, a pole sticking out of a, a block of concrete that's a metre by a metre by a metre. Okay. So it's not like hitting one of ours because it had no other way of support, I'm guessing. So ours tend to bend. Yes. And there's dying. No. From what I can guess, okay. um, that that impact has impacted where my husband and the guy behind him were sitting and that both of them have been killed instantly. Oh, my God. So he was in the window seat, was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then from there, I believe we then hit um, a palm tree, uh, which has killed another group um, at the back of the bus. And then uh, that's caused us to flip up into the air. So there's actually two buses um, and a group of people that were on the other bus that are now, I'm now really good friends with that I'd only met that morning. They, um, they were on the other bus and they described people being flung out all over the place. And so the, the buses uh, landed and... It appears, again, I don't remember any of this. They tell me I was conscious. Don't remember. I was trapped by my left leg and that was stuck under the bus and the, the rest of me was out. I, was, um, I must have been speared into the ground. The woman who finds me describes just seeing a hand scratching. I was scratching the sand away from my face. And so she stopped and she, she dug, dug me out. Um, now, like I was saying before, I've got a lot of ex- 
experience in terms of first aid. Yeah. Um, I taught at an outer western suburban school, pretty tough cookie. Mm-hmm. She told me that she was – she said that she'd go to look after, up after other people and I asked her to stay. And I think that if I did that, I was absolutely shitting myself because that doesn't – normally I'd go, I'm fine, <clears throat> I'm fine, go and look after someone else. So she stayed. She describes um, diesel leaking from the vehicle, and so to prevent that diesel from hitting me in the face, uh, she was on all fours over me, allowing the diesel to hit her back and run off. At some point, the roof of the bus fell fell off. So um, the bus is like a coach, a luxury coach that you'd see here in Melbourne. wasn't made to the exacting standards, so... The tack welds that they put on to, to put the roof on, which were here would normally be, be then fully welded, it was only the tacks. And so the, the bus is on its side and then the roof's fallen off and the roof, um, the air conditioning unit on the roof struck the woman that was on me, stuck her femur up into, through a pelvis and into her abdomen. This um, is the lady that's helping you. Yeah. So as, as she's helping you, that's fallen. On her. Yeah, at at some point, yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't not know. in the in the accident. This is subsequent. Sub, yeah, so she was on the other bus. She's come off the right. other bus. She should have been on our bus, but just for the day, they went on the other one because not everyone was going, and so they were the first, the first women out. Basically, they're all police women from the Northern Territory. Oh wow! You know, have come across. Yes. This type of type of thing before. Which one's your femur, by the way? That's your thigh Leak, bone. Thigh bone has snapped and gone up through her. I pelvis. don't don't know that it's. Sna- oh, it just moved up there. Well, it might, actually, you're right. It must have snapped off at the Somewhere. top, the top yeah. near her hip, and has been pushed up into her abdomen. Wow. Yeah. So I vaguely recall the "Get me out of here." I do have a couple of snapshots. I've got a snapshot of um, being in the air above the seats. I've got a snapshot of laying there and I can see the shattered windscreen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a snapshot of yelling my back, my back, and I, I find out later that because I was trapped, I was trapped for, for a couple of hours. Um, I believe it was a, a festive occasion in Egypt um, and so that night they had 46 major traffic accidents and then the bus accident oh, on wow. top of that. And so it had t- taken a couple of hours for the, for the rescue guys to get there, you know, get the jaws of life to be able to lift the bus because I was trapped by my foot. And I believe they tried to lift the bus to then pull me out, at which point um, I screamed about the, the pain in my back. Okay. I get told later things like a guy from Queensland that we had a reunion, everyone got together afterwards, and the guy from Queensland came up and asked if I remembered him. Absolutely no idea. Says that he sat next to me um, while we were were waiting and his wife was um, on, had been told to get back onto the other bus. And he says our conversation went something like, where am I? And he'd say, you're in Egypt. I'd go, Egypt? How did I get to Egypt? And he'd explain the story. I'd go, oh, okay then. 
And then a few minutes later I'd go, where am I? Oh, wow. <laughs> He'd say, Egypt. Poor guy. So fortunately I have a very black sense of humour and <laughs> find it really find it really humorous. Um, the two the the two police off the other two police officers from the Northern Territory, um, they were instrumental in getting the Australian Embassy involved. So one of them contacted one of their mates who was currently in Alice Springs by phone for that person to ring the Australian Embassy to then get the Australian Embassy in Australia to activate the Australian Embassy in Egypt, if that makes sense. While you were still... While we are at the accident scene. Incredibly clear thinking. And she would... Um, she describes coming up and saying, oh, they're going to be in an, another 20 minutes later. And she was surprised at how calm I was because I would just go, oh, yeah, okay. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. I, I remember another thing that really got me was this group that I was talking to get, we got together. And so they, uh, they being police associate or let's just call it, say, Victoria Police, a part of Victoria Police, um, had organised some of their counsellors. And so we're in this big group and uh, he was trying to demonstrate how he thought the accident had occurred um, and then went around the room and there was all these people going, my life flashed in front of my eyes. I thought I was going to die and we just went around the room, person after person, I was going to die, I was going to go. And what do I remember? I remember saying, fuck, life's going to be a lot different from now on. I don't ever remember having that thought of of dying, which, again, really struck me. Mm. And, I, and I think the way you react to a life event like this partly is based on how you treated your life yeah. beforehand, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think part of my journey has been made easier because of that pragmatism and be, and the, in the acknowledgement, I was, I was a biology teacher, so I understood that death is part of life. And then I'd also experienced you know, my grandparents dying and, and I had experienced great aunts and uncles dying and um, I don't know if I ever thanked my mother, but <laughs> thanks, Mum. Um, as a child, she would take us to the funerals of great aunts and uncles and other such people and explain to us the, the rituals. She would uh, take us to the graveside and uh, would you like to go and have a look? Do you want to you know, come with me? I'll, I'll show you. And realising that it was just a hole in the ground. So then got to the point... <laughs> One of my grandmother's funerals, uh, she was born in Harcourt and she was, the service was down in Melbourne, but then we travelled to Harcourt and she was buried at the cemetery there and it was raining that day and it had, had rained all the way up there. And so when we get to the graveside, which is situated on a hill, here's this river running through the bottom of the grave. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so from, from there, we could, turn around and look up on the opposing hill and uh, my aunts were saying, oh, that's where your grandmother grew up. So we used the time between the river stopping in the grave to when we could actually conduct the service uh, and we went up and we asked the current owner if it would be okay if we could have a look through this 
minute mm. place, this tiny, tiny place where, you know, nine-plus children yeah. were there and just the, it made me think that my home that I grew up in, which was, a, again, tiny compared to today's standards, just how luxurious yeah. it was. And we've got off the track. No, we haven't. No, not at we're all. Just, we're no, just not floating. At all because, no, all of this is like goes to, you know, the person that you are and the person that you were when you were trapped under a bus in Egypt. And I, don't, I don't like the word work. I don't like people um, using the word, uh, you know, it's the person I was. Right, okay. No, it's the person I am. The number of people who have stopped um, in their day to say, do I need a hand? And usually, no, pretty much always, I will say, no thanks, I'm right, done it a thousand times. Sometimes on the inside you want to say, well, how do you think I got it off in the first place? You know, how do you think? (laughs) I got here. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but then just because you can do it, I suppose, doesn't mean people think they might just do you a favour and not Absolutely, absolutely. So, and I'm... And there has been one in the very early days. I've uh, headed down um, to go to, I went to a podiatry appointment. Never been there before. So I found, um, I don't like the word disabled car park either, but that's a different issue. But I found a car park that's wider than normal that would allow me to get my my wheelchair down. But what I didn't realise was it was next to a tree which had between the trunk and the asphalt was some gravel. Fine getting out. I came back to get in, miscued it, and so here I am. I've got one hand on the seat of my car. I've got the other hand on my wheelchair, and I am slowly pushing my wheelchair out, oh. and I'm supporting myself like a, a gymnast yeah. on the on the rings in the Christ position. <laughs> and then this poor guy's worked past, so I've had to go. Excuse me. <laughs> That's certainly part where I have yeah. changed. That took me a while. I had I had to prove that I could do all the stuff that I did previously. And once I'd done that at least once, then for some of them I could let them go. Um, When a young man asked if he could give me some help, either bringing my wheelchair down or up, I can't remember, he was was genuine and he was kind and he was polite and he was cheerful and eventually I had to say, I think that's where I learned if you want to be in a kind of caring society, you've got to be kind of caring. So eventually I've just said, yep, that would be lovely. And so he helped me with my chair. It took me three times as long as if I'd done it by myself, but he walked away with a smile on his yeah. face, and because of that, so died. Do you, you haven't mentioned yet when you first realised your husband wasn't sitting next to you and he wasn't? I believe I asked uh-huh. and asked and asked and asked. Again, I don't remember any uh, of this. Uh-huh. The Where my memory really kicks in is waking in what I now know was ICU in Egypt. So we'd gone from a public hospital, which from accounts of other people was just totally overrun. Yeah. Um, because of that early intervention from the police women, we got moved to a military slash private hospital, uh-huh. also in Cairo. They don't do nursing care like we no. do. So there's an expectation that your family will provide the nursing care, which didn't happen. 
This is another one of my favourite stories. So the two um, women in Darwin, mm-hmm. their their friend is the one who was rescuing me. She's from um, Alice Springs. So they've decided they're not continuing with the trip. They're staying with us. And they were organising a whole pile of things, plus taking care of people. So one of them is shortish. Mm-hmm. And one is tall and, as Australians would say, built like a brick shit house. <laughs> okay. She, she's tall and solid and turns out she's the softie. It took me a long time to work this out. <laughs> she doesn't look it, okay. um, but she was the softie. And I remember her standing over me um, and she was feeding me what must be breakfast um, and it was like spaghetti and milk. Um, yeah. is how she describes it. Mm. And she had this little, you know, those plastic cups that are, are whitish and they've got that beveled edge all the way around, so just a plastic cup and with a spoon. And she's taking spoonfuls out of this cup and feeding me like a baby. Um, and as she's doing that, she's going, I wouldn't feed this shit to a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, anyway, back to, back to ICU. Yeah. Um, I was in ICU. Uh, I notice what I now know as a nurse sitting on a seat outside the room. And in walked two men, uh, one in a suit, uh, who I guessed was from the embassy and a priest because of the, the collar. And I said to them as they came in, uh, I guess you've come to tell me that my husband's not very well. And they said, no. And I said, no, so you're going to tell me that he's died? And they said, yes. And I remember saying it wasn't hard to work out because I I asked people and nobody would come back to to tell me the answer. Mm -hmm. Don't recall asking that at all. Those same women in Darwin would say, so they were going between floors visiting the, you know, 26-odd people who were injured. Wow. Um, and they were going between these and they would get to the staircase and they'd, you know, have their little conference and say, so what are we going to tell her this time? <laughs> they could have told me anything because I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember it at, at all. And then I, it was just resignation. It, it took me months to even get a, a tear up. Yeah, I was just totally blank. The, I get, I've been, I've seen many psycholo- psychologists in this journey, and they talk about being mindful and letting your mind go free of, of thought. Not, not a one. <laughs> it was just blank as, and it was blank as for months and months and months. And uh, thank God I have such a wonderful family, mm-hmm. um, basically. So from there, um, a brother-in-law was in Boston working at the time. He was best mates with my husband. He just dropped everything and he was uh, in Egypt uh, in my room uh, within 24 hours. And I think my parents... Time, I don't have a good concept of time for that period of time. Yeah. My parents would have been there within the next 48 hours. My, my understanding is that they found out one day and they were on a plane the, the next. I did see um, uh, another sister-in-law. She kept um, all of the clippings mm. out of the newspaper because it was big news. Yeah. Um, and it was January, so a whole pile of people on holiday. So I, 
it took up a number of pages for a number of days, weeks, and she collected them all and I, I did take the time to read them and there was a photo of my parents being interviewed um, by a new service and the look on their faces and I've gone, I can't, I can never do that to you again. the break we'll hear about how the challenges in Lynn's pre-accident life helped her through the post-accident rebuild. You're listening to the Nitty Gritty Committee stories of the guts and the glory of life and shortly we'll find out from Lynn about the first time she was allowed to be alone in her own home after the accident. But first she talks us through the initial aftermath in which she and her family had to make some very difficult decisions. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Grandmother... Um, at age 95, went into a nursing home and she was there for five years before she passed away. Pretty much straight after that, my dad's mum went into a nursing home and was there for 10 years. She died in the September and then I was injured in the January. Wow. Yeah, and that, that really struck me at how they'd just gone from carer to carer to carer and just what what a journey. And it they do the little things. Um, I lost a lot of weight, uh, I believe, um, and they, they, the nurses told me one day that, you know, if I didn't put on some weight, they were going to sick the, sick the dietitians onto me. <laughs> and I was really peeved because they didn't weigh me again before. Next thing I know, I've got this dietitian at the door yeah. and, uh, and I was getting fed those horrible sweets drinks and so one of the things my mum did was she came into hospital every single day um, and with her she would bring uh, lunch and a variety of things She's back here in Australia now ah yeah, uh, yes yeah, okay do, so do, you want, do you want the time yeah the time I mean how long were you in Egypt Egypt only about four or five days oh wow yeah very quick Great. um so I did have surgery there that's an, another really interesting thing. I remember trying to read the signs. So as I was going, uh, the, you know, to the MRI machine and then from surgery, I do remember a black mask coming towards my face. And again, the thought was, fuck, this is serious. Mm-hmm. But I had back surgery there. 
Wow, spinal surgery. Yes. Yeah, I had a fracture dislocation. So they they repaired that. Surgeons here, all the spinal consultants here, were very happy. Great with with that level of care. Um, there was a triage team sent out by the travel insurance company. So there was a doctor, a intensive care nurse, a couple of paramedics, um, and between the four of them, they triaged how to get all these twenty six people back. Back home. So within four days of the accident, you've had spinal surgery yep. and you're flying back to Melbourne? No, flown to London. Okay. So I only had the spinal surgery. The leg that was trapped by the bus was degloved, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, does that, that, that means the skin came off? The hot, yeah, the full thickness. The muscle? And like, they exposed the muscle. Okay. Wow. Right. Um, all I ever saw was a, a bandage yeah. on my leg. So I was to be flown by air ambulance to London to have that looked at. It went from me going or me with another person to six of us going. So instead of leaving in three in the afternoon, we left in three in the morning. Uh, so we got flown over uh, and then I went directly to an emergency to predetermined hospital. So they were waiting for me. <laughs> Another funny story. Registrar comes up and he's chatting to me and saying that they were going to go into surgery and and have a look and maybe clean it up a bit. Um, and if it was too bad, did they have consent to uh, to amputate? And I said yes. One surgery is better than two. Then his boss has come up and the boss is going through all of this again, and he's talking about. Um, you know, they were only going to go in for have a look and then they'll come out and then they would discuss options. And the younger doctor was nudging him, trying to say, I've already got consent for amputation <laughs> if needed. But anyway, I believe that I went into surgery within 20 minutes. They came out and spoke to my parents and said, no, it was too badly injured. Um, and so I lost the lower half of my left leg. Okay. Interestingly... That's actually given me more function. Had I kept it, I would have had to have a lot of surgeries, a lot of plastic surgery. It may then not have been any use to me. Mm. With the prosthetic, I'm able to put weight through that leg and it stays, whereas my other foot will slip out from Ah. underneath me. So it's actually been an advantage in being able to transfer from bed to the chair or the chair to the car or... So when did you learn that you wouldn't be able to walk again? Never, ever recall that discussion. Okay. Never. uh, In terms of a spinal injury... The, you get whatever function you're going to get back, they say, within two years. Okay. They say the sooner you get that function back, the better it will be. Oh, okay. So I do have the ability to contract my quads, which are the top thigh muscles, okay. but my hamstrings, which are the opposing ones at the bottom, mm-hmm. um, are quite weak. Uh, I also, my glutes, my bum muscles don't work at all. So I did go through a period with a prosthetic in having a go at walking uh, and I spent several years with a local physio trying to get that to happen. Um, I had special prosthetics made, so I needed full leg calipers um, 
Uh, what, what's the name of the the guy? The movie Forrest Gump. Yeah, full of fully calip- calipers, but mm. state of the art ones. Yeah, uh, and they had a newly invented knee stance control joint. So, if I did stand, my knees can. And when I say stand, I mean be upright but hanging on for grim death and taking all of my weight through my shoulders. Right. Um, and but my knees could give way at any time, so that prevented. That so I gave it a shot for several years, maybe three years. I was in hospital receiving sometimes on the same day uh, from the same person um, a bereavement card, a get well card, and a happy birthday card. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And, and I had letters sent to me, and some would say things like, "You may not remember me, but we were cadets together in St John, and I saw you in the newspaper." And and I had um, one of the cadets. So as I went through the different roles in St John, one role was to look after. A group of divisions, and so one of the women out of those had created all of the bereavement notices um, out of the newspapers and made a little book out of them, and then sent that to me. That the kindness and thoughtfulness of people was just. We we weren't able to have children, Mm -hmm. and I decided that was. I'm not sure you can tell me that the Buddhist uh, Christians would say it was my cross to bear. Oh, sure, yeah, we would say it's a karma. Okay. Yeah. Um, I met a man while having my um, the wheels on my car changed uh, one time and he said in his culture it was everyone has their own mountain to climb. So I decided that that was mine. Uh, I now learn that was just the practice. I didn't, I didn't do terribly well during that, that period of time. I became very insular. Yeah, so we tried for nearly a decade to have kids. IVF, all that. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, and wow. it's it's how I got a real empathy for the, the nurses because you'd have to be um, – so we lived out of suburban and you had to go from there uh, into what's now Melbourne IVF in, uh, in the city. Mm-hmm. You needed to be there by 7 a.m. so you could bear your ass to get an injection and then from there, I I worked out of Western sub suburban, wow. and I had to get out there to be ready for the the first class. Mm-hmm. And so, I, uh, one day I remember driving out, and it just struck me that I that those nurses were amazing. Yeah. You know, you'd cry, you'd get angry, the, the, the and they just they were just so calm. They just took it. Um, and then one day it struck me that how do I know? They, their kids might have been screaming all night. They may have been up all night. They might be in financial trouble. Their marriage might be falling apart. Their parents may be ill. You know, you just you just didn't know. So I remember trying to take that when I was um, in rehab. Mm-hmm. So um, in Melbourne, spinal injuries tend to get split up based on uh, traumatically caused and non-traumatically caused the majority of traumatically caused injuries go through Austin, which then rehabs at Royal Talbot, and the majority of non-traumatic go through Alfred and then to Caulfield General Medical Centre. Um, so I ended up at the Royal Talbot and um, they, it's a ward full of young men because the majority of spinal injuries are 
traumatically caused ones. Motorbike are the, uh, accidents, car accidents. Diving accidents. Yeah. 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 So when, uh, when I left, there was only one other woman left on the ward and I remember taking the time to uh, chat to the nurses to try and give them a bit of reprieve while they were in my room. So I was losing weight. Everyone under the sun gave me chocolates or hand cream, <laughs> some of which I still have. Yeah. Yep. Love chocolate, had no appetite for it. Yeah. So um, uh, I also, there's a little fridge in the room because you're there for so long, yeah. um, and I had soft drink in that to try and gain some weight. Now that didn't work either and I didn't feel like, feel like having it but I'd, I'd say come in sit down tell me about your day some chocolate in that drawer yeah. and there's some soft drink in the front. help you for, do you know not one of them ever did yeah but they would sit down sit down and chat and I had really tough time uh, at night getting to sleep uh, really difficult mm. um, I'll get experience some immense uh, nerve pain and I and I still have it there's um can probably count on one hand the number of times uh, that I've woken up the following morning going, oh, I don't think I had any nerve pain as I fell asleep. Normally as I fall asleep, I get this shot of nerve pain and I'm assuming it's some little Pandora's box in the back of my mind there just, just reminding me that, you know, it's not terribly safe to go to sleep because you don't know what's going to happen. And I would, I would, Love. I want to. I want to face it. I want to remember what happened. I was conscious. That memory's got to be there, and I want to be able to face it and go. Told you. I, I beat you. Look at you know. I'm. I'm still here. So how do you find positivity and joy and um, you know excitement about your future? after you've been through such a traumatic experience, you've lost the love of your life, you've lost your mobility, the use of your legs. educate what my work, my... You, you, all your plans for the future all have gone. evaporated in a moment. Yeah. How do you reconfigure and keep going? Uh, you fake it until you make it, yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. So I did have a mantra that I'd always smile at people mm-hmm. and I always smiled at people because then they would smile back they might engage you in conversation and that feels good. Terms of excitement, I don't think it exists. Um, I, I really struggle. I really struggled, um, and I still do, uh, making holiday plans. Um, my husband's role within the police force, when we married, he deliberately took a job um, at office station. So he went into electronic um, speed measurement devices basically Mm -hmm. so he would uh, test them make sure they were certified um, repair them as necessary and uh, go around Victoria teaching police how to use it and if necessary he'd be the expert witness in the in the court Mm -hmm. Um, and he did that deliberately because he'd seen so many marriages break up because of the rigors of police life which meant he, he worked from seven to three uh, so he always left before I did, uh, but was home an awful lot earlier than I did. So I had the incredible luxury, yes, live it up, ladies. Mm-hmm. I had a man that I rang home and said, 
I'm on my way home and had dinner on the table waiting for me. How lovely. I know. And you had your evenings together, yep. which is the upside, and there are upsides to not having children. Yes. Um, you know, yeah, in, in I, yep. your relationship was able to stay your main focus and you had all that time together of an evening. Absolutely. We also, between us, um, I think the number is currently 50 nieces, nephews, <laughs> yeah. great nieces, great nephews, and I've had um, a lot of time yeah. to be able to to do that and the thing I love about the young kids is they're not bashful no if they want to know a question they just ask I've had parents drag their kids away and I try to say them no it, it it's okay I'm okay with it they can ask me anything they want I usually try if they ask me how it happened I usually try to use words like vehicular Excellent. Um, because I don't want any kid, I don't want to say I was in a bus. I don't want a kid to say, to have the thought that, that that's what could happen if they went into a bus. Do you remember the first time you were alone in, in a house? Like when you stopped living with your sister and stuff and, and you just got your own place? Was it scary? Oh, goodness. No, I don't remember the first time I was by myself. I certainly know that there have been days slash nights where I have uh, yelled this roof off and I have sworn like a trooper and cried and raged and and I still do that periodically and I've decided that that's probably quite healthy. I can't change bed linen, for example. Not a lot of people realise that with spinal cord injury, the majority of people um, having continence issues mm-hmm. um, and so there have been times where I need my linen changed and it's not a day where it normally gets changed yet I'm meant to be working mm-hmm. um, and I have been able to ring my twin sister and say I've stripped my bed but and I can do that bit I can strip it and I can I can get it into the machine and I can get it out on the line but I just can't get it back on to the bed well, not easily, and this is for another sister who believes that I should be able to do it by myself. <laughs> you, you've got a tough family, Oh, man. they're tough. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which has its good points. Totally. That's where you come yeah, from. That's where sure. I've come from. Wow. Um, but I've been able to ring a sister who wasn't working on the day who would um, take her granddaughter to school, jump on the train, change trains, get here, uh, do my linen, probably put the sheets out onto the line, maybe even empty the dishwasher or put another load on, and then do the whole reverse in time to pick up her granddaughter from school again, and then I arrive home from work and it's done. And I've met people who don't have that. I've I've met people. There was a, there was a young man in the room next to me when I was in rehab where I would have so many visitors that, my mum and maybe a sibling would go in and have a chat to him and got to know him quite well because his family didn't take the time to visit. I just I think that's maybe why I'm so so giving. Also, when I did the the peer support and talking t- to people, often I, I at the early time it's talking to their family because uh, my experience I was dealing with so much I could only deal with one thing at a time. So yeah. I'm talking before I went from Egypt to London. Had my leg amputated in London, and within a week I was on a flight back home to Melbourne, thank goodness, because um, school holidays, it had been a couple of weeks, 
Um, some of our nieces and nephews were quite young. I didn't want them to have to go back to school and have not had the funeral of their yeah. uncle. And so I'd made the decision that if I didn't get back, then it was to go ahead. That, that would have killed me. Yeah. It was bad enough. I still, it doesn't hurt as much, but I, I, I don't feel that I had enough to do you know, yeah. I, I saw that as my role, my right, yeah, my however you'd like to take it, that that's something that I should have been able to do for him. Um, but I didn't. I mean, you couldn't. I couldn't. No, 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 no. no. It's not that you did. I, I, I found out much later I was lucky to actually go. Yeah. It was um, a brother's uh, a microparamedic. Uh, the only reason I was allowed to go to the allowed, mm. you know, discharge from hospital for the day in effect, um, was my brother organised for one of his mates to drive an ambulance and he came with me and one of I had to have a spinal nurse with me and one of the nurses, it was his day off um, and he was just about to leave the unit and he used his day off to spend with me so I could go to my husband's funeral. How do you thank someone for that? Would have killed me not to have been able to go. That would have been, mm. that would have been, you know, sitting in a wheelchair. I can deal with that, but that's something you can't get back. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee and thank you to my sister Sherry and, of course, to Lynn. Also, this beautiful music is traditional Tibetan music and it's brought to us by my friend Tenzin Shoyul and I will put his details on the liner notes to this podcast so that you can find more of his music. It's available on iTunes and he also tours a lot as well. So you should get out and see Tenzin if you ever get the chance. If you know someone whose story would make a great nitty-gritty, hit me up on Facebook and let me know about them. In the meantime, please take a few moments to recommend the podcast to your friends and to leave us a nice review on iTunes. You me.
Flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 